Vince Salerno Podcast. Episode 70, as always, I'm your host, Vince Salerno, trying uh, first solo video episode in a long time. I uh, hope you're all doing well. Uh, again, it's been a while, but, you know, such is life. Um, one update I wanted to give you guys is that I am working on a uh, Indiana Jones review of sorts for Dial of Destiny, or as I've been calling it, Dial of Depression. <laughs> Which gives you kind of a, a uh, uh, brief idea of my thoughts on the film. I'm working on doing a series that goes through every single movie. I'm, I'm wanting to get more into YouTube reviews. It's been tough because every time I write a script for a video, it's like longer than 10 minutes and I can't fit everything into uh, less than 10 minutes. Maybe that's just me being dumb and I need to just commit to doing the episode regardless of how long it is. But I really want these to be shorter and more digestible than the podcast episodes, which are meant to be longer. That's the main reason why I'm doing podcasting, uh, to get my general thoughts on things and the culture so that I can do more uh, specific, more streamlined videos that are uh, on specific topics, such as Indiana Jones. So I'm working on uh, getting those out soon and working with a uh, writer who's helping me craft those. So we'll hopefully have some... YouTube reviews out soon, and we'll go through every Indiana Jones film up to Dial of Destiny or Dial of Depression. <laughs> um, yeah, I, just to elaborate on my thoughts, I, I did like the movie. I didn't love it. I don't think it uh, is a film that can sit beside the other four Indiana Jones films. And yes, I say four because I'm one of the few human beings that acknowledges the existence of Dial of De or sorry, uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and is okay with it. I I like Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. That's my hot take. <laughs> so uh, be on the lookout for that. Uh, the main thing I want to talk about today is the destruction of Hollywood, and this is coming um, not as a thing to rejoice over, uh, rather a thing to be, I guess, in a, in a way to rejoice and also a thing to be sad about. Uh, I, I don't take any any delight in making this episode about the potential destruction of Hollywood. In fact, I've been hesitating to do this episode for quite some time. Part of it's just out of laziness. Part of it is um, I, I've been just kind of sick of consuming the news and the negativity and all that. And I've actually been taking like breaks from social media and, and uh, keeping myself as a safe distance from the news as much as possible because it can uh, just be very overwhelming. And I, working in the news, uh, you feel like you're kind of inundated in all of it. I, I guess I'm not, I shouldn't say I work for the news. I, I work in, I work for a company that has to look at the news and analyze it and then make content based on that. So uh, regardless, it can be very just suffocating. And I think, uh, you know, anybody in this space, uh, hopefully understands that necessary breaks from social media, uh, and the news are necessary or just a complete cutting off of social media. I've actually debated deleting my, my social media account a number of times. Um, Twitter has kind of become a, a free speech beacon of hope for these platforms, 
which is great. It's still a, a site where you're constantly inundated with other people's opinions and thoughts. And I don't think as human beings, we're wired to be consuming things on that level. And then Instagram is just, I don't know. Instagram is a, is a hop and a skip away from, from Facebook as far as censorship and all that goes. Um, I, I, I once had someone told me that Instagram is basically like, uh, pornography with a with a safety label attached to it <laughs> which I don't necessarily agree with but I think I, I can see where it, it uh devolves into that direction in some instances um I don't know I'm not, I'm not here to talk about uh the the, the woes of social media um that, that's for another day potentially but um that's the reason why I've, I've been hesitating to make this episode because of just a lot of stresses and a lot of like you know consuming it the, the news is, is hard enough. And then having to, in a way, consume it again by talking about it when you're in it can be a little overwhelming. So um, my advice, lots of breaks and uh, everything in moderation. You know, I, I, in the past couple of weeks, I've learned to actually just limit my social media intake. Um, I, I've maybe checked Instagram like three times in this whole week and Twitter maybe less than that. Uh, unless I have unless I have an intention to go on there and, and post something or engage with somebody, th then I just stay off of it because it, it can be also be uh, a, a time consumer. It can take away time. It can take away time from doing uh, practical and important things and, and living out your dreams and chasing chasing things that are important to you such as just doing this podcast. So um, anyways, I'm here, I'm doing this. So let's, let's just get into it. The destruction of Hollywood. So it's kind of reached, I, I've been talking about Hollywood kind of self-destructing for a long time. And I think it's kind of reached a, a boiling point right now with so many things intersecting. Wokeness in films and television is still alive and well. Disney the gold standard of Hollywood is dying this slow, painful, and um, the slow, painful death that seems to be brought upon their own making that they can't escape no matter how hard they try. Um, and then just the lecturing and, and the talking down to uh, the audience. And now the strikes, which ha have again just halted everything. Like, no, no movies are being made, no one's signing deals, no one's acting. The very few that are, are not associated with these guilds, uh, specifically that of the of Writers Guild of America and SAG-AFTRA. So, I mean, how did we get here? How, what, what, what led to the strikes? What led to the dis this, this destructive uh, moment in Hollywood's history, in, in the film industry's history? Uh, it, it, and it can be really traced back to... Um, I mean, I'm not an expert, but some people could trace it back a little, way, way back. Um, I think this really started in, in, in 2015 when we thought we were in good hands with the resurrection of the Star Wars series in the form of Episode 7, The Force Awakens. Kathleen Kennedy was appointed president, handpicked by George Lucas. We thought, hey, we're in good hands. And, and this was way before I even had any thoughts or uh, conceived the idea of the culture war. And all of a sudden, uh, things started to ramp up with the inclusion of Ray 
a character who is not offensive in her own right. I don't I don't find Ray to be as offensive as a lot of people do. I think along the as we got further along into the movie, she became a more poorly written character um, as the writers tried to compensate for doing something different and also doing something that would appease the fans as opposed to just from the get-go having a plan and sticking to it. Um, Ray represented uh, what a lot of people will say, the Kathleen Kennedy insert. A lot of these Lucasfilm productions allegedly, these are rumors, I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying whether I subscribe to them or not, a lot of these Lucasfilm productions since Kathleen Kennedy has taken over have had the so-called KK insert. Ray being that of the sequel trilogy. Uh, she's too good at everything. She is better than Luke Skywalker. She's better than any Jedi that's ever existed. She has a uh, unsurmountable amount of power because she's the granddaughter of Palpatine, which was the lazy way to get the Emperor back as the main villain and end the Skywalker saga. She was just painted to be this uh, perfect version of what a Jedi should be and a, and a, and a one-upping of Luke Skywalker, um, while at the same time being in a film that belittles Luke Skywalker and makes him out to be a washed-up loser who doesn't want to teach anybody the Force and Rey has to go at it on her own and, and still manages to be uh, the greatest Jedi ever. And when she's had little to no training, she had training from Princess Leia, who was barely a Jedi, barely had any training herself as established in The Rise of Skywalker. So it was just, it became this embarrassing attempt to justify this character's existence while also making her this overpowered girl boss um, that, again, a alleged Kathleen Kennedy insert. And you saw this potentially in Rogue One, which I think is one of the more one of the less offensive Lucasfilm Disney Lucasfilm productions, where um, Jen Erso just kind of was this badass um, rogue spy like character who really does nothing wrong and doesn't really learn anything except that her dad wasn't uh, a loser who betrayed uh, the cause, the rebel cause, or whatever. And then you had. Uh, Amelia Clark's character, who I can barely remember from from Solo, um, kind of being the same thing in that she was a better version of Han Solo and she was smarter than him and bested him and everything and, and, and eventually just deceived him and left him in the dust. And then I think the most obvious and most offensive of all of these was, and again, this is giving you guys an idea of what I think of uh, Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny, Helena Shaw, one of the most nauseating and annoying, horrible examples of how wokeness and feminism has destroyed Hollywood. If only we had seen Dial of Destiny while Helen Roy was on the show so we could add her to the lump of uh, female atroc feminine atrocities um, that have been committed in Hollywood. Now, I don't necessarily have anything against Phoebe Waller-Bridge. She uh, seems like a decent actress, uh, but she was poorly miscast in this role. She um, kind of represents the pinnacle of all that is wrong with feminism in Hollywood, or at least Kathleen Kennedy. She's better at, Indi better at everything Indiana Jones does, yet she is 
not classified as one specific thing. They want her to be an archaeologist. They want her to be a nerd. They want her to be a, a rogue femme fatale. They want her to be so many things, but they never decide on one, so they just make her everything. And it just makes her this indescribable mass of girl bossness that like you can be everything you can be anything it's just a weird weird character and a bizarre um ideology that has intersected hollywood but that that was kind of the, the jumping off point kind of got off on, on track there but that's kind of lucasfilm's involvement and disney's involvement in doubling down on that and of course they had to have known that dial of destiny was going to be a dud because just helena shot alone in that film is is just unwatchable. If you took her out of that movie and replaced her with a better character, you maybe have a movie that is above average and maybe better than Crystal Skull. But we didn't get that. Um, and then everything kind of fell into place following Disney's turn into wokeness and all these other studios such as Warner Brothers uh, really took that to heart and started producing content and, and butchering their franchises to be these uh, uh, monuments of wokeness, so to speak. So that is to say, wokeness is one of the big problems, despite Hollywood's unwillingness to address it, that got us to this problem. That on top of the actors and writers who would come out and say to the audience that rejects their work, criticizes their work, labels them as sexist, racist, istophobes, bigots, you name it. Most notably with Ghostbusters 2016. I remember Ghostbusters 2016 very vividly. Uh, I, I think I was actually very, uh, again, I was very naive to the culture war. And I, as a fan, I used to be just a, a mindless fanboy, mind you. Like, I... I consumed and liked everything and then it took a long time for me to take a step back and realize like the stuff Hollywood was producing was not good so I don't want to say I, I, I'm not saying I was a leftist or anything like that but I'm saying that I, I usually gave things the benefit of the doubt whereas now um that side of me has, has is gone basically um but I remember Ghostbusters 2016 coming out the first trailer and I thought it looks fun. I'll give it a chance. Um, but I kept seeing this dialogue about how, you know, the women in, in the film are, are going to ruin the franchise, ruin the, the ruin any, and our chances of getting up what fans really wanted, which was Ghostbusters three. Um, and then just this fake narrative that the people who were criticizing the film hated women, which was obviously proven wrong based solely on Ghostbusters Afterlife and the fan base embracing that film the way they did. It was never about hating women. It was always about making something that the fans didn't want. And as a result, Hollywood chose to take that narrative and twist it, making the audience the enemy. And if you don't like our content, you don't like what we have to give you, you're the problem. As a result, with one of the biggest bombs of all time, despite having a 73% approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes, at least from what I can remember. The movie was bland, okay, a, a colorful mess, and uh, just not what people wanted from Ghostbusters. But because we, the fans, didn't want that, and we made our voices heard, Hollywood 
decided to say, you're the problem. And we've seen this time and time again, where, and I hate to admit it, but even James Mangold coming out during the production of Indiana Jones 5 and criticizing fans who were um, commenting on Twitter about the film, uh, he kind of shot himself in the foot there. Now, I don't know if some of, I don't know if, if the comments from other people, the fans were particularly warranted. I don't necessarily believe in calling out a director in the middle of production of a movie and saying, don't mess it up. Don't mess it up. But then again, he didn't need to engage the way he did. So I think there was a little bit of fault on both ends. However, he did shoot himself in the foot and he did damage the potential of Indiana Jones 5 making a huge profit and, and attracting fans of the franchise. Because a lot of people went and saw the movie opening weekend, including myself and my wife. But we didn't come back. If Indiana Jones was a, a hit, and if I guarantee you if Mangold hadn't come out against the audience in the way that he did, the reaction and the response to the film may have been a little different, just a little different. And so, again, the lecturing and the talking down and the blaming of the audience made people turn away. And then the box office started to dwindle because people just didn't trust these brands anymore. Star Wars is beyond dead, and and, and Lucasfilm keeps trying to resuscitate it. And, and every now and then you'll get a, you get a little pulse, a little pulse of life in things like The Mandalorian. Um, and and some for some people, Andor is 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 in that same boat. I don't necessarily agree. I haven't seen Andor, and I don't know if I'm going to. And a lot of people say Ahsoka is going to be another pulse in in that Star Wars is not dead completely. So the dwindling box office did not help, and some studios got the message and course corrected, such as Ghostbusters, and some studios have not gotten the message and they still think that the audience is the problem and that the audience needs to change and they need to accept what they're putting out and as audience members should they have said no hollywood works for the audience not the other way around if they don't produce something that pleases the audience there's no reason why they're going to come and this is evident case in point from Top Gun Maverick, which came out, uh, I believe, a year ago, and the recent Mission Impossible movies, uh, albeit Mission Impossible uh, Dead Reckoning, is not doing the best only because it's been hampered by the Barbenheimer event, um, which is a shocking phenomenon in Hollywood, despite uh, its destruction. But um, Tom Cruise has earned the audience's respect. And I think if he keeps going the way he is, he will continue to single-handedly save Hollywood time and time again because he is a trusted brand. He is a trusted um, actor. And people know what they're getting when they walk into his films. That's why my wife and I are so into Tom Cruise and his films and we love going to his movies because we know we're not going to be lectured. We're not going to be talked down to. We're just going to go and have a good time and watch a movie that harkens back to a similar time, a, sim a simple time, excuse me, where movies were just entertaining and they didn't, and if they did dip into politics, it wasn't a uh, lambasting of one side or the other. It was very vague. Whereas now it's very much in your face when 
Marvel tells you that you're racist because Captain America is white and you can't accept a black man as Captain America. Or when She-Hulk says that men are the worst thing in the world and if you can't accept She-Hulk as the new Hulk, then you're sexist. All this kind of culminating with the strikes. As most of you know, uh, the Writers Guild and the Actors Guild both have been in negotiations with um, the greater studios to have better wages and benefits for uh, actors and writers, and a deal could not be made, and so they went into strike. And this is the first time in, in a long time that both guilds have been on strike together. Although I think this particular climate that we're in, this season of life that we're in, has never been so damaging to Hollywood. And this is where I get conflicted, because do we support the strikes? Do we not support the strikes? What, what say you? And here's what I think. Hollywood is really in no place right now to be demanding anything given, their, given the way they've been acting. The studios are not in the right to be saying that actors and writers don't deserve fair wages and that they can be replaced with artificial intelligence in certain areas. Now, I believe artificial intelligence can be a useful tool in the filmmaking process, but as a straight-up replacement for people, that's, that's a line that I, I will not cross. I don't think anybody wants to cross. And these studios are obviously... It, it seems like they don't care about the individuals, especially uh, case in point, seeing Bob Iger's comments where he's saying uh, they're in the, the, the writers and actors are in no position to ask for anything. And the rumors that the studios are wait, are basically squeezing out the uh, writers and actors, essentially forcing writers and actors to come back because they can't afford to keep doing this. And that's a horrible, horrible uh, plan. I mean, just to see people as just like, oh, they'll come back. I mean, it, it's like typical, uh, any movie where you've seen people go on strike. Uh, Newsies. I'm thinking of Newsies, Disney's Newsies. Um, Disney has definitely ironically taken on the role of the banks and the newspaper companies in this case, and the newsies are the people who are striking. Now, the strikers, the Writers Guild of America and the Screen Actors Guild, are they in the right to strike? Are they in the right to demand these wages? Well, yes, because they're human beings and they every human being is inherently deserving of the right to be able to take care of themselves, provide for their families. No one is arguing that. But in getting our support, given the way that Hollywood has been acting, again, the actors and writers lambasting the audience for just wanting better content, for not wanting things that talk down to them or are overtly political, it's hard for me to take this seriously when they've been telling us, the audience, we're stupid for telling them that, they, we, want, that we want more. And that if we don't accept what they're giving us, well, that's our problem. Actually, it's your problem. You are the providers of the content. And if you're not providing content that 
is sufficient, we're not going to give you money. So the studios and the actors and the writers have kind of made a really bad scenario of their own creation because of this, because of their rejection of the audience, because of their embracing of these radical ideas and inserting them into films, the strikes are kind of a sign that maybe this is the end of Hollywood, or at least Hollywood as we know it. I don't know if there's... If, I mean, Disney is hemorrhaging money every day, it seems. They can't seem to get a break. Haunted Mansion bombed. Indiana Jones bombed. The only movie that I can think of right now that's actually been somewhat profitable for Disney is Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, which a lot of people saw that as not just a goodbye to the Guardians of the Galaxy, but also a goodbye to the Marvel Universe, the MCU, because there's just no hope outside of Spider-Man. And of course, Spider-Man is owned by Sony, so Disney is kind of at the mercy of Sony in that situation. So, should we support the strikes? I support the strikes in the fact that these people deserve to be able to take care of themselves and their families. But a lot of these individuals, I don't think, deserve to come back to Hollywood because they are either not good writers, not good actors, and or don't believe that the audience is in the right to demand more from them. Based on that alone, I think some of these individuals may need to just leave Hollywood and pursue other careers. I'm not saying everybody, but there are definitely a lot of people who, if they honestly went ahead and pursued different careers, um, and we never saw their faces again, or their, them have a influence over big budget Hollywood filmmaking, I wouldn't be upset. I do not want to sound like I'm, I'm wanting ill will on these people. I do not wish any ill will on these people. I want them to be able to take care of themselves. Again, everyone, everyone, family or not, married or not, children or not, they deserve the right to take care of themselves. They deserve to be compensated for their work. But their work, I don't think is sufficient. So, in a weird way, I guess I agree with the studios and that the actors and the writers aren't demand aren't making realistic demands, but neither are the studios. And I don't see either one of them budging on their particular um, on their particular stances. So that's where I think the destruction of Hollywood is reaching a boiling point. If these two sides don't reconcile, the industry as we know it, not gonna be a thing anymore. Now, is there hope? What hope is there? In my opinion, there's good news and there's bad news. The bad news, I don't know if there's hope for Hollywood again. I really do think that we're in a situation where Disney could either cease existing or turn into something very different from what it once was. The brand has been tarnished beyond repair. Pixar animate the animate their animated movies or their Disney branded animated movies Marvel Lucasfilm every almost every brand that they have has been tarnished in some degree or another heck I'm still holding out hope for Toy Story 5 not a lot though the good news is as far as entertainment goes as far as Hollywood goes again there are your Tom Cruises who have displayed 
love for the audience and a desire to please the audience and not the audience to just accept whatever schlop they put out in front of us. There's also the exception of independent filmmakers and distributors, such as Angel Studios with Sound of Freedom. The uh, unprecedented hit that has made a hundred, almost over $150 million at the box office. It's an incredible film. It's an entertaining film. And I think things, more movies like that uh, are what's needed. We need new stories. We need new heroes. We need new characters. Because a lot of these franchises are dying or beyond repair. And I don't think the answer is going back to the well and squeezing out what we can from these once-loved franchises. As we've seen, uh, branded IP is not what it once was anymore. And I think that's because of Hollywood's handling of it. So if Hollywood were, were to sell these brands off to other companies and they were to treat it with a different level of respect, uh, we could see that potentially happening, but I don't know. Lucasfilm is in a much worse state than it was 10 years ago. So could they sell Star Wars or Lucasfilm and then, you know, a new company take it on and make it great again? Potentially. There's not a lot of guarantee that's going to happen. But independent stories, independent filmmaking is definitely an alternative that I see being utilized more and more. Case in point with Sound and Freedom and Angel Studios in general. They are making, they have so many films in development right now. Now, not all of them look up to the quality of Sound of Freedom, but I think that Angel Studios is in an infant stage of their um, filmmaking journey. And if we continue to support them and stick with them, I think they will grow to great heights. Uh, Daily Wire is also an option that is is uh often put out there um with their uh releases such as run hide fight and tear on the prairie uh i don't know how i mean i haven't heard a thing about any other future projects that they're working on that are in that that avenue or even their animated shows i've not heard anything about so yes i do think there's hope but i don't think you're gonna find it in hollywood i hate to say it but I think the, the path forward is don't put your hope in Hollywood anymore unless they give you a reason to hope again. And the only hope they have is Tom Cruise, frankly. And if the rumors I've been hearing about the MCU um, are true, then maybe the MCU will, will come back to the, the days of old and stop with this lecturing and this culture war crap. I, I've heard great things about Deadpool 3. Maybe that'll be an exception. But... Uh, yeah, the destruction of Hollywood is in full swing. And if it's if it swings back the other way, I will be I will be very happy. If not, then it's been a nice ride. And that's the show, guys. That's all I have to discuss for today. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I hope you guys enjoy this format. Uh, again, trying to expand the reach, do more. Uh, video-based content with the podcast, not just audio. Um, let me know in the comments below, what do you think? Do you think Hollywood is beyond uh, salvation, or do you think there is a chance that uh, 
they can come out of this alive. And again, I will be coming out with a video series or more video reviews, uh, movie reviews especially, and starting out on Indiana Jones. Um, again, I didn't hate Dial of Destiny, but I didn't love it. I at least didn't hate it enough to buy Dial of Destiny, Indiana Jones from the Adventure Series line. This is actually a really awesome figure. Um, just I love the old Indiana Jones look. So despite the film not being the greatest, they still make good figures. Thanks for watching, guys. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. If you did, hit that like button and subscribe to this YouTube channel. We can check out more of my uh, content from the podcast. Also, my short films that I've made in the past and uh, the, the, the fight and the effort to make more short films and more films uh, is still ongoing. I've been partnering up with some some great friends of mine who are great writers and um, artists in their own right. And we're going to be making some great content, hopefully very soon, that I will be able to share more updates on. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Have a great day, guys. God bless. And peace out.